Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Digital Audio Health by... Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has he been inspired by a calling, crafted his journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversations and to use them to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Dr. Joel Bryant, who is a passionate speaker and gifted author. He is known for his ability to bring greatness out in others. In fact, he has spent the last 25 years writing and speaking in efforts to help others self-actualize. Each of us has, he says, the capacity for immensity, expansion, and transformation, which he outlines in his latest book, The New Being, Preparing for the Emergence of a New Humanity. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Joel. Thank you for having me back again, Rhonda. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm so pleased to have you back on the show. So my first question is, how do we accomplish inspiration when we do not feel inspired? Well, you got to begin with something very basic and foundational. And there is no inspiration without appreciation. There's no appreciation without an awareness. And there's no awareness until you can stop and step out of the stream of consciousness of your circumstance and your conditions to recognize, wow, I'm alive, mm -hmm. I'm breathing. Yes. I'm see, see we, we look at people who are maybe wealthy and their children, and we say, well, they have a sense of entitlement. They're spoiled. Mm -hmm. But most people have an unconscious sense of entitlement by not appreciating the very gift of sentience and cognition and mobility and the ability to just be present to their own humanity. Ah. So they skip over all of that and they jump to something external that's usually beyond their control and out of their reach. And they allow that to become the compass for how they see life. Ah, the compass. Okay. So you have to have appreciation. And to have appreciation, you have to just stop in the moment and become aware. My bed is warm. My pillows are soft. Mm -hmm. My air is working. My ears are working. Because there are people, who, there, my brother is blind. He was yeah. born blind, had a stroke in the womb. Mm -hmm. He is never going to see. He's never seen himself. And I see him almost every day. And he has never been in a bad mood, had a stroke in the womb and has you know, a lot of medical issues, 
but is lives on his own, is autonomous, has projects going on all the time. Mm-hmm. And watching him begin to help me to develop the mindset because I was focused on my skill set. And when I focused okay. on my mindset, I was focused on success, not from the standpoint of just appreciating the fact that I have my faculties. And if I don't have them, there's something else to appreciate. So most people skip over all of that basic stuff and they jump to something external that extinguishes their ability to be optimistic. When you live by externals, you can always have something extinguished because there's something you're always going to be out of your reach. Right. So appreciation and awareness or presence is the premise of an inspired life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's there, there are people that are still sleepwalking through life and they might not understand how to get to that conscious awareness that we're that you're speaking about reflection mm-hmm. solitude self-questioning why do i feel so bad right i have a friend um three-time olympian um you know won the bronze medal in the eight in the 88 olympics i believe it was has a really nice lifestyle external mm-hmm. and even today will swim 40 laps. So this person has a very positive mindset when it comes to athletics. Okay. You know, like I said, was in three Olympics, won a bronze medal. And then she told me later on, she said, when I look back, talk about mindset, talk about presence, talk about awareness, talk about being an agent in your own change. She says, I could have won the gold medal, Mm. but I set my sight so low because I looked at my circumstances. I oh. didn't have the kind of coach that the other people had. I was running for a small country, then there was not a great expectation. So when people are not present to their life by practicing rigorous self-questioning, or as Socrates said, the examined life, he said that the unexamined life is not worth living. What it really means translated is that the unexamined life is not fit for a rational creature, which is what we're supposed to be. So sleepwalkers, stop. Why am I feeling bad? Mm-hmm. You're driving a car that somebody is praying for or wishing for or believing for, going to a house that people don't even have exactly. and eating food. And, and But you know what? It's a sense of entitlement. I'm entitled to good health until you lose it. I'm uh-huh. entitled to a job until you lose it. So I think that to, to wake up, I've got to begin to examine my life and I got to get a, some distance in order to make a difference between my life and my circumstances. My circumstances are simply the conditions that have evolved over time, partly through my agency mm-hmm. and partly through that of other people. Those are my circumstances. They are temporary they're transitory and they're evanescent, they're fleeting. I can use my life, which is my ability to be proactive, preemptive, and become an agent or a catalyst to change my to change my circumstances. And to the degree that I recognize the difference between life and circumstances, I become I become extinguished by externals. I become oppressed by my lack of progress. And then I don't have the sense of self-efficacy. Mm-hmm. 
you know, when I was young, people said this, uh, life is a bee and then you die. Yeah. Like, why is life, why is life a bee? That's a stupid philosophy. Yes. That's a sleepwalker talking. So you have to have appreciation and you cannot be appreciative until you begin to stop and examine your life and begin to be grateful. Like I said, my brother's blind, was born blind, 62 years old, had a stroke in the womb, came out not seeing and was stroke sticking on one side. Mm-hmm. Never seen himself. But my brother is the most optimistic. And I don't mean in a special way. Mm-hmm. I mean, just naturally. Because he appreciates the fact that he's able to do something with his life. And so I think most people really are very, very ungrateful. They are spoiled. And until is, they, it because, and, is it because they don't, is it that some people don't have a conscious awareness of that this is a blip in time, that our mm-hmm. lives are really a blip in time and they become, as you had said before, uh, prisoners of their own thoughts? Yeah, but you know what? To say that it's true on a certain level, but the fact that people have deadlines and datelines, they're okay. aware of the brevity of life. Mm-hmm. They like songs that talk about mortality, whether it's Dust in the Wind by Kansas or Remember When by Alan Jackson. These songs in every genre speak to the, the human condition and the inevitability of mortality. And you can't talk about mortality without talking about death, which is what that is. You can't talk about that without talking about time. You can't talk about that without talking about urgency, goals. And so people are not asleep. They're not willing. Some may be asleep. Most people are not willing to do the hard work it takes to become who they are. And they allow, they, they, they wait for big breaks and great blessings to make them awake. And they go back to sleep because mm-hmm. that stuff doesn't last. Nothing I've gotten in my life. Last, what, this past Christmas, uh, one of my friends died. He was 10 years younger than I was. We were very mm-hmm. close in the 90s. And yeah. I went out, I said, you know what? What are you waiting on, Joel? I went out and made a purchase of something that I had wanted for a long time, but it wasn't like a strong desire. It's like, I'm going to get that one day. But I never focused on it. But when, when he died, I said, you know what, Joel, what are you waiting on? And when I was talking to the salesperson, I said, let me tell you something, sir. This purchase is not going to make me any happier than I am already. He's like, oh, he was trying to hype up the thing I was buying. Oh, this is all the features, all the amenities, all the stats. I said, sir, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. I'm happy now. This is just an extension and an expression of my appreciation. Because that stuff doesn't last. So it's, it's very difficult work. It takes a lot of energy to be present to your humanity and your mortality. It's easy to go to sleep and then to blame. Yes, that's right. Other things. Yeah, you're right. It e- it's easier in a way um, to uh, go to sleep. Um, you're, you're not a happy person when you're asleep, but you don't have to do much, do you? Well, it's, it's almost like 
it, it kind of reminds me of what we what I lived through in the 70s, I believe it was for me. Mm -hmm. uh, the Cold War, Russia and America, or the Soviet Union and America. And there was this one, this one word described our relationship. It was detente. And the word detente means peaceful coexistence. We hate one another. We want to blow one another up. But, you know, if we do that, it's going to be mutual destruction. So people learn to tolerate their tyrannies. They tolerate their own tyranny. Mm -hmm. Nobody's tyrannizing me but me. It doesn't mean that things don't affect me, yes. But because they affect me, I have to be more vigilant, more prudent, and more persistent and making sure that my emotional firewalls are firm and fortified and able to absorb the press and the pressure of life. Because mm -hmm. I have I have a I have a hundred times every day to be depressed. When mm -hmm. I wake up in the morning, as soon as my eyes open, I start, I start expressing gratitude. As soon as my as soon as I'm where I'm unconscious, I said, man, another great day. Another day to experience life. Because if I don't do that, all the stuff on my hard drive is going to download and remind me of how unhappy I should be because I'm not where I said I would be by the age that I said it. I don't have all the things I said I would have. So mm -hmm. I don't allow that stuff to come in and determine the quality of my day. I just refuse to live that way. It's disrespectful to life. Mm -hmm. And gratitude is the more grateful you are, the more things come to you. Yes, and I, I tell you, I started practicing gratitude in a very significant way five years ago. Five years ago, okay. And when I tell you my life has changed radically, I, when I say it. radically, I don't, mean, okay. I, don't, I don't mean I don't mean unconventionally radically, because mm -hmm. we think we think radical means unconventional. Radical means root. The definition of radical is root. My life has changed at the root. Yeah. Because you can get the leaves and the the flowers and all the other fruit, but if the root has not changed, if your relationship to yourself has not changed, mm -hmm. because really. It's not our relationship to our lives or to our circumstances, Rhonda. It's mm -hmm. our relationship to ourselves. It's the most important, and we don't, and but we we don't um, live our lives like that. We live our lives about uh, thinking what other people think about us. Well, it's it's. I say it this way, and I try to live these things. I'm not just saying stuff. Every day I get up, I try to live what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. When I cannot go forward, which is like, that's like the obsession of America, right? Yeah. Progress and money. That's what we're built on in this country, right? Yeah. I mean, but when I cannot go forward, mm -hmm. and if I am going forward, especially if I'm going forward, I make a point to make sure that I go inward. I don't ever want to go forward without going inward. And when we say forward, do we mean forward intellectually? Do we forward mean forward in every way, in every, in every way, way, in every okay. way that I can measure motion? Okay. I, without friction, we couldn't measure motion. Right. Most folks don't appreciate the friction in their life. Most folks don't appreciate the things in their life that, that make them disgusted. Mm -hmm. See, if there was no disgust in my life, I would still be sitting at my job that I had 22 years ago. Ah, I probably, I would probably be have a really nice cushiony job. I, I know I would because I was great at what I did. Yeah, but I was, I, I was disgusted. 
because I wanted greatness according to my definition, not according to that job description. Ah. I used that disgust to create a direction and develop my devotion and move myself toward what I call my destiny. Mm. So people have to recognize this. If you're going to live an inspired life, you got to be present to your perceptions. Why do I feel that way? Mm-hmm. See, again, it's just an examination. Why am I flipping this guy off at the light? Oh, well, he cut in front of me, but why am I flipping him off, really? And then what's the benefit of that? Something wrong with doing it unless they have a gun and shoot you. But I understand the human reaction, but ask yourself, how do these thoughts and these perceptions affect my ability to create a reality that I find desirable? I absolutely love my life. And I couldn't have said that several years ago because I was not where I wanted to be professionally as as an author, as a speaker, and as a leader. Mm -hmm. So again, perceptions and perspective. Because when you, in, in, in the sort of social equation, you add up your perceptions Multiply them by your experiences and you have your perspective. Okay. Your predisposition on how you tend to see the world. That's why they have this phrase of social psychology, unconscious bias. Unconscious doesn't make it any less detrimental. It's still bias. It's unconscious. So it goes back to the examined life. Why do I do this? You know, why am I feeling bad? Mm-hmm. And it's not about being, you know, uh, jumping for joy every day. No. But there is a baseline, like the way I measure my life. I say, okay, every day I wake up, my goal emotionally is to arrive at an emotional 10. 10 is the peak. I start at a seven. I refuse to go below a seven. Okay, it's where you start, isn't it? You know, but see, but but I used to start at a 10 one day, a negative 10 the next day, ah. and then I was off the number line the next day. I was I was all over the chart. I was my graph was so it was so erratic and irregular. Mm-hmm. And once I started examining myself, I said, okay, Jewel, so now I have achieved a new emotional set point. Until something else comes along that is big and powerful and painful, that circumstance will nullify my set point. Now I'm not at a set, I'm not at it. Now I'm I'm I'm, I'm probably gonna go down. But it's what I do in that interim that's gonna determine whether I go down. Or instead of a seven, now my set point might be an eight and a half. That might be my new normal. Oh, it's I how see. I re- it's how I respond to stuff. And so far, you know, I mean, I've buried a mother, a father, a wife, mm. all of that stuff. So I know life is a gift. I'm not going through the day depressed. I, I just refuse to. I have moments where I say, "Okay, Joy, you're feeling bad. I'm aware that I'm feeling bad. Why are you feeling bad?" Why do you think I'm feeling bad? Look at that. I said, well, don't look at that. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? Now I'm having this conversation, right? Because mm-hmm. 
I'm 61. I'm not a schoolboy. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've got another good 35 years of life and health and strength before it's be my time to leave this place. Yeah. I'm not going to live my life allowing things outside of me to tell me how I'm supposed to feel. Oh, what a beautiful lesson. Oh boy. That's an incredible lesson. It's, you're listening. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant show right now, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Symatrax. And today I'm speaking with Dr. Joel Bryant. And uh, Joel has already been a guest on the show and he's back to uh, tell us many things about an examined life. How many people reach out to you, Joel? Uh, my website, Dr. Joel Bryant dot webs w-e-b-s dot com d-r joel j-o-e-l b-r-y-a-n-t dot webs dot com or email me at joel at joel bryant the number one dot com joel bryant one joel at joel bryant one dot com okay and of course on linkedin facebook Uh the voice uh, my twitter is the voice of greatness uh, my Instagram is the voice of greatness. And then of course, LinkedIn is just my name, Joel Bryant. Okay. Okay. So we may have some people who are listening today that are really, you know, grasping this examined life and how they uh, could take steps today. And we, what would you recommend? Would you recommend uh, a journal to start writing? Journaling is like magic. It's magic. It's like journaling allows you to take an x-ray of a picture that you don't know your soul is trying to live out. Ah. Because we're all living out, we're all living out two things. Consciously. Oh, or that not. gave me goosebumps when you said that. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. It's, it's true. Mm-hmm. We're living out a story. And the story is a narrative comprised of our assessment of our experience. Mm-hmm. Stories are powerful. We have a national story about America and how we were founded and all this stuff. Everybody has a story. And then the other thing we're living out of is probably more important or equally as important if we take the statement as true that a picture is worth a thousand words. We're also living out of an image. Okay. We have an imagination of who we are. We have, we have an image, we have a blueprint on that photo plate of our ideal self. And whether or not, whether we know it or not, we're living out that story and we're living out that image. Mm-hmm. And so the great thing about a story is you can revise a story. You can change a story. You can abandon a story. You don't have to finish the story. You don't have to be what somebody said. If, if, if women lived out the story of who they were, based on patriarchal oppression, mm-hmm. they would not be where they are. No, no, no minority group would be where they are today if they own what postmodernism calls the master narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, this one monolithic monologue about how America was and is, and it's not true, okay? We have multiple narratives. And those multiple narratives or those meta narratives, narratives alongside the other narrative has created space for people to expand, explore, and exploit their native genius and their latent talent. 
So ask yourself, what story am I living out? I wrote a book called Life Why Diary of a Dreamer. Yes. And on yes. the back cover, it says, when someone tells you, when someone tells you you're not going to be anything, you spend your whole life trying to be other than what they said. And even when you achieve, you still wonder what made them say that. Because people that we respect or we don't respect, when we are impressionable, yeah. which we're young, mm -hmm. and, we, and then if we're impressionable and we're vulnerable, they can put an image in our mind yes. and insert words in our story that strip us of our autonomy and our integrity, which is our interpersonal oneness and wholeness. Mm -hmm. So what story am I living out of? I'm a black man in the South and North in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, mm -hmm. in America. And my parents had no education. So I'm supposed to be a factory worker. That's the narrative from a little sorry small town, my little sorry small town I came from, Lumberton. Yeah. I said, there is no way. I told my dad, my first job was with my dad. Mm -hmm. Get out of high school. I got a job at uh, a sprinkler company. Man, I got dirty. I don't like getting dirty. You don't like that. <laughs> no. And then the job I had was absolutely stupid. Uh. And I said, dad, I say, after about three months, I said, dad, I love you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you. This job bought us a house. This job, you know, I outlined and enumerated all the things that this job that he worked on did for us. I said, I'm thankful. I said, but daddy, this, this is still, I can't do this. I said, I'm quitting. And I went and washed my hands and left and never looked. I was not going to live out that story. And, you know, I love my dad, but he didn't, he didn't really understand my passion for the impossible. Passion for the Impossible. Joel, that's a really good name of a book. You've got to, if you don't have a, if everything you're doing is possible, then your life is probably predictable. Mm -hmm. If everything you're doing is possible. Ah. Now in the self-help coaching world, they call that having stretch goals. I want to stretch life. I want to become something that my story that was written without my consideration. Because most of our national stories, our cultural stories, our gender stories, our ethnic stories, they were written without our input. Oh. And they gave us a script. And if you watch people, if you watch yourself in a certain environment, you will catch yourself living out a script of how women are supposed to act in a certain environment around men. You will catch yourself living out that script if you're really present to yourself. That's why liberation and freedom and anything that really matters, those words that really matter, those words are infinitives. Nobody's liberated. Nobody is the greatest. Nobody is anything. People who are present simply get better at getting better. Mm -hmm. um, so there's this thing called certainty. And a lot of people live their lives and do the things that they do to have certainty. And on the other side of certainty is uncertainty. And that may be your best self. That may be your greatest self. So how can you speak to what it feels like 
when you're taking all these chances, pushing yourself to these limits and, and walking in uncertainty before things become certain again for you? Well, for me, mm -hmm. it was life or death, emotional death, social okay. death, or as Thoreau said, uh, a, a, a life of quiet desperation. I, I just, I couldn't, I, I don't, I can't see that. Mm -hmm. And so the certainty was suffocating. Yes, nice check every two weeks, commission check, bonus check. People knew me in the company. The president of the company knew me, the CEO, and this is a big corporation. I'm just a lowly person in the totem pole, but my performance was so good that they knew who I was. But that was suffocating. Because see, you cannot have security or certainty until you appreciate chaos. Yes. Play, uh, what's the Picasso said it this way. He said, every act of creation is also an act of destruction. Psychologists call it positive disintegration. Things were falling apart. Things were falling apart. Circumstances, housing, homeless, car repossessed, credit shot, savings spent. Friends saying, I told you Joel was crazy. Things were falling apart, circumstances, but I was coming together. Life, me, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. circumstances, my credit, my finances, and my social circle, that fell apart. Mm -hmm. But I was coming together. Now, I didn't really know all this then, yes, but I was so impassioned. I, I, let me say it this way to you, Rhonda. Okay. A simple statement that everybody can grasp. Nothing is as numbing as not becoming who we are. Then we see life as unfair and our dreams as so far. Nothing is as numbing mm -hmm. as not becoming who we are. Then we see life as unfair and our dreams is so far. Now we play the victim. So you got to recognize certainty is an illusion. Yes, it's an illusion. To, to, to say you have certainty, you know what you had to block out? You got to block out. I said this way. If, if, if nothing bad can happen to you, then nothing good can happen for you. Because to quote John Dewey, we live in the dimension of the precarious. Do you know that the worst is possible at any given moment? Can you look and say, when you're going down the street in your car that you just waxed and washed and just got from the dealership and filled up and you take it, do you know somebody could be coming down the street texting and driving yeah. or frustrated and giving up and they just decide that you are gonna be the person they run into to take their life and your life. If you thought about that every day, you probably couldn't live. So we have these blinders that are healthy, mm -hmm. but a lot of our blinders are unhealthy. And that's why people are shocked and devastated when something bad happens to them. Like, oh, what? They fall apart. I mean, when my wife died, my wife was a purest soul that I knew. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, Marriage for me was like a challenge because my wife was like the greatest wife and I was a terrible husband because I was strung out on knowledge and greatness. Mm -hmm. 
if anybody should have died, I said it should have been me mm. because she was a pure soul. But when my wife died, I didn't spend a whole lot of time. Well, God, what happened? Oh, why? No, man, please. I, when I was 16 or 14, I faced my mortality then. I said, if I'm going to live and die, and I have no control over my death, but I do have control of my life, I'm not going to spend my life working a place that I hate, mm-hmm. around people that I don't like, yes. doing things that don't satisfy me, not as a permanent state. Wow. So certainty, the only, see, People who are secure, see, certainty suggests a fixed state. You know, somebody wins a lottery, this is what they say. I'm finally financial financial secure. No, you're not. You just have more means to reach ends that you probably won't go after because now that you have the means, because most of those ends were illusionary anyway. Because when you don't, when you can't do anything, you multiply desires. Okay, you have the illusion that I'm gonna do all this. So you don't ever have security. What you have is the ability to affirm the integrity, the wholeness, the oneness of your humanity. That anything can happen to me. And I don't live under the shadow of, because I don't live, okay, I interrupt myself. Mm-hmm. Facing my mortality does not mean developing morbidity. Mm-hmm. I mean, every day all day i lay in bed i go down the street seeing clients whatever i'm doing i'm always conscious I'm like joel and you're gonna die i can't believe i'm 61. when i turned 60 last year i'd say somebody is lying i feel like a 70 year old child who still believes that the world is his for the taking mm-hmm. so facing my mortality does not mean developing morbidity as a matter of fact Stephen Job was a job said at best, you better get busy about living your life. And if you can do that, you will lose the uh, inhibiting and paralyzing predisposition to want to guarantee. You know, because certainty says, I want to guarantee. Yeah. But that's the long answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is wonderful. That's fantastic. But, you know, I have found and people are recognizing this, too, and it's been recognized over the ages. um, It's not something I discovered, is that people who live in the mindset that you live in, you actually don't even look your age. Uh, You look way younger. And 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 it's almost like uh, you're you have an age reversal because you are happy you are present, you're witnessing yourself. And a lot of people don't understand that. It wasn't too long ago that I didn't understand that. That took a, that took a, um, a near-death experience for me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't wish that on anybody because it's, it's not friendly. But uh, you need a, it's, it's like a wake-up call uh, to get, sometimes it is for people a wake-up call because you hear these words and hear these words, but your brain almost, you don't know where to resonate with them. You don't know how to uh, get to that next level. Um, To live uh, a life of being present, but when you're present and you're witnessing yourself and you're grateful, 
the age starts reversing. It is because you know, it's optimism. I see optimism? Desire, desire is the fountain of youth. I was reading, I was reading an article last night about uh, Pablo Casals, C-A-S-A. -S -S He's an uh, Italian celloist. Yeah. And he played until he was 93. I, I think he died at 93, somewhere around that. He said, the reason that I'm still young and hard, he said, because he said, there's no way I'm going to retire. He said, working at what you love, mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing. He said, that is a fountain of youth. I have more music to create. I have more things to do. And here's the thing, the quality of life, like Dr. King said, longevity has its place. Longevity and quality are completely different. Oh, yes. You just, so I think for me, even though I'm 61 and I trip off of it every single day, I mean, my tag on my car says, life, why? That's my personalized tag. I may be changing. But life, why? Why am I here? Mm -hmm. How did I graduate from high school last week? And I was laying there that's not said, God, it's been 43 years since you've been out of high school. What happened? And those kind of thoughts make me grateful. And I began to see a lot of things when I was in my 20s that I shouldn't have lived through. And I was never like a wild kid or mm -hmm. even a young adult. But I was in places that I was too naive to know yes. I was in danger. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I think it's all in how you, when you talk about story, you have to look at your personal history. Most folks use their personal history as a source of deficit and disappointment. Well, I was, and then I tried, mm -hmm. but yeah, you've got to use your personal history as a catalyst for mm -hmm. optimism and enthusiasm and expectation. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. so yeah. People have, to, people have to stop, I would say this, people have to stop pawning their agency. Mm -hmm. You gotta stop giving your agency to other people. If I feel bad, if, I mean, I don't feel like this. Mm -hmm. If I blame you for my life or my search situation. I've got to wait till you have a recognition of your injustice and your unfairness towards me before I can get free from that. Ah. But you're not, you're not thinking about me. You're living your life because you have your own challenges. Yeah. And people, I think people, even in this great resignation, People are reclaiming their sense of personal agency. They're not, they're no longer letting the American narrative of conventional employment determine how they live their lives. They're downsizing, or as the Rose said, they're simplifying, they're working a couple of different jobs, but it gives them freedom and mobility and latitude, and they feel better. Mm -hmm. They begin to have energy and optimism. They begin to embrace ideas that they were too tired to embrace because they were so tired and pessimistic. You have to reclaim your agency, your, your ability to become the determinant in your personal destiny. Mm -hmm. So what is people? Okay, so people are listening to you talk about this. They want to know 
what is my first step to do that? Ask myself, what is it that makes me feel good? Okay. And then catch yourself when you are talking about what you don't like, because that's the tendency. Yes, you that's say, right. So ashes, what makes me feel good? And then mm -hmm. it's simple. Move in the direction of what makes you feel good. And here's what people say. Well, what about? And they thought all the contingencies and the what ifs. Yeah. So what you have to do is then you come back into the moment. Mm -hmm. At this moment, what makes me feel good? On a given day, that changes. Oh, yes. Maybe, maybe writing my journal today or maybe now, but maybe leaving here, maybe going to play basketball or maybe going to the mall, walking around. See, don't despise small things that seem to be unrelated. Because see, what we're talking about, Rhonda, is mm -hmm. creating, creating space for expansion. Mm -hmm. So it's journaling, it's self-questioning, it's some solitude where you begin to reflect and ask yourself, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do in this moment with my life? Because see, my life is too big. Because when you say what I want to do with my life, your circumstances are going to come in. It's going to like squelch all that. So what mm -hmm. do I want to do in this moment? Mm -hmm. Here's something that I learned. Okay. There are so many things I want to do. Like, I mean, I got books I want to like write. I've got tons of books I want to read. I got, I say, well, man, I need, I don't really have time. And I said, Joel, when you have a desire for what you have a desire for, when the thought come, in that moment, stop and do it, even if you can only do it for 45 seconds, because there's a principle. To him who has, more is going to be given. Yeah. To him who don't have, what he seem to have will be taken from him. You want to get more time, use the time you have. So what I do now, instead of saying, man, I wish I, could, I, wish I was retired so I could read all these books, you know what, I'll take five minutes and read a book. Uh, maybe two pages, or I write whatever I want to do at that moment. I'll take two minutes or a minute and do it, because it's not about being able to do it for the life, my lifetime. It's creating space for expansion. Yeah. Because what happens is they begin to draw opportunities to you that support the new person that mm -hmm. you want to become. Mm -hmm. So journaling, self questioning some solitude, things yeah. that make you feel good, move in the direction of those things. Well, helps me. it helps people take ownership over their own life. Agency. 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 I, am a, I, am, I am an agent, mm -hmm. not a passive recipient. I said this the other day. All of, the, all of us who are aspiring to, all of us who are aspiring to be on another level, right? We look at people Let's just say, I don't know, Oprah Winfrey, you know, but anybody who has a platform, right, that can right. take you from why to wow. Mm -hmm. One podcast, the right podcast, you go from why to wow. Mm -hmm. And we think, man, the, that person has a key to my destiny. No, they don't. They can be a catalyst in your advancement. I'm never going to say somebody who's famous has a key to my destiny. They can be a catalyst to my advancement. They can be an asset in my enrichment, but my destiny, mm -hmm. the outcome for that belongs to Joel Bryant. Yes. I'll, I'll end with this, Kobe Bryant. Yes. You know, he was, he was who he was. Mm -hmm. And as a ball player, they said that Kobe was very selfish because, you know, he, he shoots all the time. 
And so they said, Kobe, why don't you pass the ball to your teammates? He said, dude, practice is at 10 o'clock. I'm paraphrasing. I yes. get there at seven. Yes. Three hours early. These jokers rolling at five till 10. It ends at 11.30. They roll out of at 11.20. At 11.20. I stay until four o'clock. He said, why would I get in the game? We're down by two. And I give the ball to somebody who I've seen their work ethic. Yes. And I'm like that. If I, you know, the song says, if I live and I succeed, at least I'll live as I believe. I'm not giving you the ball to take the shot unless you're on a ladder up under the basket by yourself. I'll take the shot. And if, until you become that way, you won't draw the support that you need. You won't have the confidence that you need to have, the, to have the sense of, see, it's confidence, not certainty. Yes. We, what we should be striving for is confidence and not certainty. No mm -hmm. guarantees, just that whatever happens, some way, somehow, I'm going to come out. I don't know how, mm -hmm. but I know that some way, somehow, this is what I say to myself. I say, but Joel, what if this happened? You know, that'll, I say, yeah, that'll crush me. Yeah, you, but that'll kill you. I say, yeah, but you know what? I'm practicing every day mm -hmm. to create the firewalls and the shock absorbers to absorb whatever life brings. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. How, um, so how many books have you published? I'm going to say maybe 50. 50 books. Uh, when did you leave and what year did you leave your job? October 2nd of 2000. Of 2000. And you've published 50 books. And how many, how many books, you, you can say or not say, up to you. How many books do you have waiting that could be published? 20, at least 25 more that's on my flash drive. Oh my goodness. You are amazing, Joel, Dr. Joel Bryant. I am such a fan of yours. You are the real thing because you have so much to teach. You've taught us, you've taught me again so much in such a short period of time, but you have a lot here to back it up with. I don't know how you can do, how you can publish all those books, write all that all that work. No you know idea. What? I'll say this simple phrase without mm -hmm. elaborating. Human beings. Mm -hmm. I wrote a book called The New Being, Preparing for being. the Emergence of a New Humanity. Every human being, every human being has what I call the capacity for immensity. You can do so much more than what oh, you're doing. Oh, I can yes. do if I, if I had the intellectual and physical stamina. I could have probably at least done another 20 books, but I just like, man, now, nah. like, I mean, I could write, I literally feel like I could write a book a day if I had the intellectual stamina, but sometimes I just want to sit on the porch and just look at the wind blow. Yeah. But I know that we have a capacity for immensity. And if you set your standard by anything other than that awareness, you're going to underachieve. Mm -hmm. Society is benefited by those who have a passion for the impossible. They use everybody else as a starting point. Jordan is Jordan. I mean, Michael Jordan was great and I still think he's the greatest, but I'm saying to say this, everybody has a capacity for immensity. If they have, and if they live in that awareness, 
they will not fall short of their goals. Because it's not about fulfilling your potential. You can't fulfill what you can't quantify. Mm -hmm. But you have a capacity for immensity. And that word immensity is I stop. M means not. And that immense part means not measurable. So if I can measure what I've done, Isaac Asimov wrote over a thousand books. That's ridiculous. Okay, I'm through. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are amazing. I thank you so much uh, for being on my show again. I've enjoyed it. And the last time we had this had a similar conversation, I invited you back on the show. I invite you back on the show. I love listening to you. I could listen to you for hours, actually. And so thank you very much for joining and being on the Rhonda Grant show again. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant show, Sun on the Water, is composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rhondagrantauthor.com. That's rhondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.